Listen. Are you listening? <laughs> This is the sound of my country. This is the sound of Taiwan. Taiwan, a small island with a whole world of sounds. Thanks so much for joining us today here on Radio Taiwan International. Up ahead this hour, it's Jukebox Republic, Shirley's music program. But first, we start off the week as always with a brand new edition of Here in Taiwan. Hello and welcome to Here in Taiwan. If you're joining us on our Facebook Live feed, it is now Friday, January 8th. Otherwise, if you're joining us on the radio, it's Monday, January 11th. I'm John Van Trieste, and joining me here in the studio is Stash Butler. Hi. And Shirley Lin. Hello there. Up next, we'll be telling you how one coffee shop owner got back at a litter bug. Then we'll be telling you about uh, Taiwan's technical mission in Somaliland and how they're adjusting to life at a newly opened office. Also, we'll be telling you about a bizarre footstool thief who seems to have stolen more than 50 footstools. I don't know why. I'll <laughs> tell you about that in just a moment. Please stay tuned. like a good story of vengeance so let's start with the coffee shop yeah um, so uh were the people littering inside the store no i actually think that it's, it seems i mean uh, from all appearances that this is kind of outside litter but it's being dumped near jilong so oh. kind of in and around the jilong area and this is i think like a great example of i mean i think vigilante justice is always <laughs> quite a satisfying thing um uh. and this is a, a quite a petty way of getting back at someone i think but essentially this coastal scenic spot as they describe it in Geelong is being overwhelmed by garbage bags left by random drivers. So these are people driving through the area, or maybe that they might be from the area, but just leaving garbage by the side of the road. Ugh. And uh, one Taiwanese coffee shop owner had enough, and using surveillance footage, I, I imagine, um, tracked down someone who left rubbish by the side of the road and then mailed it to them. They, he spent 100 NT mailing a bag of of trash. They found yeah. the, the person's address. Yeah, yeah actually, yeah, that's in the trash. That's yeah. kind of scary that you could do that from surveillance actually, footage. Actually, that's a good point. Was yeah, was it in the in trash? In the trash. It was in the trash. Yeah, he found he found the address in, in okay. the trash. Okay. Oh, so the man disposed of some kind of you know. Dog well, that's yes. not ever a very like, smart thing to do. You no, get rid, yeah. You want to shred all of that? <laughs> so you, you just can't labeled, find you. You've labeled your trash essentially. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, no. So despite the, they say despite the the presence of surveillance cameras. Residents near the popular coastal scenic spot have reported over 100 cases of drivers throwing garbage out of their windows in the last 12 months. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's sad because we have such so many people spending so much time. I don't know if you've heard of our beach cleanups. Yeah. They're always talking about beach cleanups. Yeah, and, beach cleanups are all the rage. And then, But then for every beach cleanup, there's somebody throwing more garbage on Apparently. them. Apparently. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's, 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 it's not a good thing. And, you know, they say that it's not, it's obviously a kind of, a blight in terms of you know ruining the scenery in terms mm. of what you see but it's also uh, uh, i say admits unbearable smells and also attracts uh, stray dogs so yeah oh that's yeah. not good well also i think animals could eat and choke on it that's what happens yeah. with marine debris exactly because mm. it's probably full of plastic mm. um 
I mean, you'll have your documents with your address, obviously, in every <laughs> bag. I mean, that's that's not a mandated thing, but maybe it should be. No, I mean, I well, <laughs> so it was just one person who got who received trash in the mail. Yeah, okay. it seems so. I don't think this is a kind of sustainable solution no. to the, the trash problem. And don't definitely won't, don't want to be digging around looking for addresses. No, no. <laughs> I mean, this man must have been very angry, and I don't know why. Uh, I mean, it says. Um, I mean, it doesn't say why exactly this man decided to take this particular bag. I don't know if it was sort of placed outside his He's coffee shop. He just had enough. He just had know. enough. Yeah. I'm sure the postal workers gave him some interesting looks. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> maybe I'm, it was in a box. <laughs> they probably weren't very happy to receive it. Yeah, I wonder. I hope, I hope he kind of had some additional packaging to, yeah. put, to put the bag in or something because... Um, yeah, it's, it's, it wouldn't be a very fun thing to, re- to work with as a postal no. worker. Well, the, the moral of the story is don't throw your trash by the side of the road. You never know who will find it and what they might do then. Yeah, it's kind of weird because, I mean, apparently they've been, war- they've been warned and, and yet people are still throwing garbage there. It's become like a habit and, and that's really terrible. I mean, I guess Why they there exactly? They think that nobody's going to find out I see. who threw them. Is it a remote guess, but, area? Yeah, but that's, I, the I think they're getting into a habit, you know, and, and it's just awful. I mean, because I've seen pictures of it. It's just right by the side of the street, right? Mm. And it's like, gosh, why are they doing that? I mean, you can't be bothered to find a trash can. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, really. Oh, well. Um, Making a statement? Again, I be careful know. where you throw your trash. The vengeance, someone with a, a, a streak of vengeance may find it. This is a very um, bizarre story, this next one. Uh, so, you know, bear with me. I'll explain it. I'll walk us through it. Um, this is focused on an environmentalist in Yunmin County, sort of in central, southern, central Taiwan. And uh, for, it uh, looks like around 20 years now, his mission has been to get people recycling batteries. He's horrified at the th- what they can do to the environment, and he's tried to think of incentives to get people to recycle their batteries. His solution has been making footstools and curtains, uh, but uh, crafting them by hand from recycled material he finds. Uh, Including says, batteries? No, 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 no. He, <laughs> so, yeah, this is why I said it's a bit confusing. Um, he's not using the batteries to make the footstools, okay. but he is accepting them in return. So you can furnish your house and recycle your batteries at the same time. It's maybe not the most straightforward oh, solution, right. not the first thing I think yeah. most people would think of, but that's what he's been doing. And uh, it's sort of on the honor system. He's often not around. So he set up a kiosk that's open all 24 hours uh, and you can place a certain number of batteries and it says uh, sort of on the trust system, then you can have uh, footstools. Uh, He's been making footstools and curtains for 30 years. He was actually doing that before he became concerned with batteries. So maybe he just likes home furnishings a lot. I don't know. Were his footstools also made out of recycled materials before he became concerned with batteries? It's a very interesting question. I would imagine so because it says he uses leftover material he has for making sofas and curtains. Wow, wow. So he makes that's, that's all massive. upholstery. He's an upholstery. <laughs> like, like, so. A lot of recycled material. He just has then. leftover material. And Anyway, uh, in exchange for your batteries, you may take a footstool home with you. Uh, he says that he has been robbed uh, six, huh? uh, five times in the past six months. Oh. And a total of, it says here, more well, more than 50 footstools 50. have been taken from his kiosk. Over six times. Oh. So they kind of, yeah. well, I five think, times. I think in total, like, of all the five oh, times. Oh, right. Not, not in the last. I'm not sure. Like, you'd have to have quite a truck. I to mean, to take to... 10 footstools at a time. <laughs> you'd have to. That's a planned operation. I don't know what you would do with 10 footstools. I don't know. <laughs> Open a shop. I don't know. Stack them up and, you know, make a tower in your, in your living room. I don't room. know. But, um, he, well, more seriously, um, 
I guess there's a cash register on hand. Um, I thought that this was just a pure exchange program, but they've been opening the till. And uh, uh, yeah, it says that uh, even the batteries that were recycled, that were exchanged, were also taken. Hmm. What did they want those for? I don't know. And they took the bins for collecting the batteries as well. Like they took everything. They're just taking everything. <laughs> just, <laughs> it seems kind of just taking what's at will. It's just as bizarre as those people who are throwing garbage on the side of the street. I think this is like, more unusual. This is really, yeah, it <laughs> I really just is. don't know. Like I can understand the inconvenience of having garbage on hand, but I don't know what I would need with more than one more footstool, than, really. Yeah, I have no idea. I either. don't have that many feet. It's <laughs> not very. It's, um, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, uh, he's asked people to leave it alone. I'm surprised there isn't better surveillance because this article says the kiosk happens to be right next door to the county's Environmental Protection Bureau. So they right. must have cameras around. Yeah. Uh, it is the first of its kind in Taiwan. I hope they mean uh Recycling I'm not sure if they mean battery. recycling kiosk or a footstool yeah. for battery exchange. I mean, that sounds like, like it could be. It, probably I, the I'd, first in the world. I'd definitely believe that if they told me it was <laughs> the first one. First in the world. It takes him more than an hour to make one stool. And he said, he says in a quote, and that these discarded batteries are destructive to the environment. They must be recycled all at all costs. That's his uh, wow. quote. Including uh, personal costs to him, I, I guess. I suppose. He's yeah. made, he has, he probably should go in the Guinness Book of World Records for footstool making. Yeah, Definitely. really. Uh, we have, because we have an actual figure, um, <laughs> he has recycled, actually battery recycling as well. In the past 30 years, he is, his record is he's recycled about 7 million batteries and oh given God. away nearly 30,000 footstools. Wow. Wow. And more than an hour each. That's mm. insane. He must be, a, he's like, a, you know, they say 10,000 hours makes you a master. He's like a master he's three the, times he's over. He's the most Mozart yeah. of footstool making. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm assuming that all the footstools are the same. They're looking the same, the same size. There's no picture. It's unfortunate. I'm Shame. That if the more I recycle batteries, the bigger a store you can get from me, you can make from me or something. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. It gets even more confusing. He's, um, <laughs> This is the most interesting, it's not clearly explained in this article, but an even more interesting transaction. It says he's also worked with a blood bank, allowing people who donate blood to also get a footstool using oh. their old batteries, though, not their blood. Wait, so what? I don't, That's really I'm not confusing. Clear how that, the transaction works exactly. Maybe if you give blood, you get a discount on the number of batteries it Did takes he, to. He's the, creating a whole alternate economy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. based around stools and batteries. Yeah. <laughs> Um, call me ignorant. I mean, what 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 kind of what kind of pollution does battery like? If they're not recycled, what does it do to the environment? I think they're full of. I think they're kind of you know they've got all these like lithium ions and stuff. Oh, I get. I think yeah, it, I think it's it kind of yeah. yeah. I think it's kind of like it's leaking not, those kinds of like, corrosive. Yeah, that kind I've had of thing. batteries that actually leaked. I mean, is that really mm, bad? That's definitely, yeah. not that's definitely not good. Definitely not good. Ooh, yeah. then how am I supposed to get rid of it? Like, not well, go to this man and yeah, get a stool. Get a stool. <laughs> but he's not in Taipei, is he? <laughs> well, maybe they do delivery. Maybe I don't know. I'm, I'm sure. Maybe I'll start a courier service for him. I guess. I just um, it's a creative idea, and I mean, seven million batteries is not bad, actually. So no, that's really good. For as bizarre as it sounds, it seems to have worked. Um, I hope that they find the stolen stools and bins and well, I guess they can keep the batteries. I mean, it but... sounds like a drop in the ocean if he's if he's made 30,000 of these things and they've stolen, what, 50? Imagine the work hours. Yeah, wow. I guess, I suppose. It's real dedicated to so furniture. Dedicated. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, I think it was last year, was it, that Taiwan set up a an office in Somaliland, a uh, 
well, it's claimed by Somalia, but it's self-declared as an independent state since 1991. That's right. Um, that's something we've all learned after re- reporting it uh, several times over the yeah, last year. Last year. Um, uh, so that's our fun fact for today. Uh, actually, we do have some listeners there. Welcome if you're joining us from Somaliland yeah. or Hello. anywhere, Welcome. actually. Um, so Taipei has sent a technical mission to, along with uh, sort of the consular people, mm-hmm. uh, and I understand they've had some cultural difficulties to overcome as well as technical ones. Right, in some ways, yes. Um, so right after we, um, you know, signed this contract and also set up a representative office, they sent over this technical team. Uh, to Somaliland uh, on December 1st last year. So they've really just uh, just, just arrived. Just arrived, yeah. yes. And the thing is that um, it started up, well, basically, this was uh, one of the technicians. Um, I guess he's probably the chief. Yeah, he is. He is the chief of the technical mission. His name is uh, Mars, Xue Mars, as in the planet Mars. That's his English name. Yes, his wow. English name, right. Mm-hmm. And um, so he was uh, being interviewed and he was just talking about his life, you know, new life started there and everything. So um, he was saying that while the rest of the world was, you know, celebrating New Year's Eve. Or not. Or, or not. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, or not. Um, he was saying that in Somalia, because they followed the Islamic calendar, so all they had was just a dinner, you know, and, and then celebrate the New Year. Still better than what so, most people got. Yeah. Right. Which was that a lockdown. True. Yeah, <laughs> so. that, yeah, true, true. So, uh, and Anyway, and then um, then he went on to talk about you know the things that he, they've discovered um, in in Hagisa. I, I'm not sure if Hagesa, that's the name. Yeah. Hagisa. Yeah. Okay, so that's the capital, right, mm, yeah. of Somaliland. And so um, basically, it, well, uh, let's see here. Uh, hold on. I follow someone so. on YouTube who's been there. It looks like a very, very nice town, actually. Really? Not bad you, at all. Oh, I should. Yeah, I should watch that. So the mission is composed of four experts who specialize in healthcare, information and communication technology, and agriculture. Now, there are also other projects that are in the preparatory, you know, stage. So um, they're trying to do everything that they can to help the country. It's, you know, it's, it's you know, underdeveloped. And so, um, but one thing that they're really working on in the first uh, quarter of this year, of 2021, is improving the quantity and quality of local fruit and vegetable production. We are uh, we love our fruit production. Yeah. yeah. People yeah. Here take that very seriously. Mangoes especially, I think. But What, what do they grow in Somalia? Um, it doesn't talk about mm. the specific fruit there, but um, basically they would uh, study on some of the new vegetables and fruits. They'll be tested. And if they're found to be suitable, cultivated, oh, I get it. It's actually, we bring some of our vegetables and fruit there and see if they could be cultivated on their land. And so if it's found to be suitable for cultivation, then they, you know, they produce on a wider scale. And then they also provide training and workshops to be uh, for improving field management techniques. And then there's also enhancing e-government services there and strengthening health care for pregnant women and newborn babies, mm. okay? Now, the thing is that um, uh, the internet signals are not really stable in Somaliland, uh, especially in the rural areas. But in the urban area, it's still pretty okay. And that's the time when these Taiwanese technicians get to go into the city and, you know, video chat with their family back home in Taiwan, oh, yeah, right? Because right. they're all there by themselves, that okay? That must be pretty difficult. It's a long it way. It is, yeah. it is. And they're saying that um, there isn't much they can do over there. Pretty much, you, you live a very live a very monotonous and simple lifestyle. But on the lighter side, um, 
Mars was saying that there are full of surprises, especially on the streets. Now, there are many tankers carrying water that go back and forth, back and forth on these major roads in Hagesa, while donkey carts transporting containers of water as well are a very common sight in smaller alleys. In the alleys, they, they have donkeys, you know, transporting water. Mm. That's because about 700,000 households um, in the city do not have tap water mm. due to the rapidly growing population okay. mm. and the lack of infrastructure. Maybe they need to, their technical office here can teach us about that because our population is <laughs> yeah. shrinking, shrinking, shrinking. Yeah. And um, resulting in the fact that the cost of water there over there can be 30 times higher than Taiwan. Well, it's about 30 dry, times higher. Isn't that part of the world? It's, I, I yeah. guess so, yeah. So, um, yeah, of Africa. Yeah. Mm. And so, the interesting thing is that drivers on the road have to watch out for animals such as sheep, camels, cows, and even tortoises. Tortoises? <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> yes. That's a surprising obstacle. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm least thinking that they probably move in quite a predictable way that, you know, you could, it's quite easy to avoid, whereas, you know, I wonder if they help transport well, water on their back. I don't know, but they, they won't dart in front of you, at least. No, exactly. They're very slow. You know where they're going, and they're going there very, very slowly. Yeah, you can so, detour. You know, this is definitely very different, you know, um, scenery uh, as compared to Taiwan or Taipei even. And um, anyway, um, actually, it's Mars himself is a, a, an experienced technic, technician. He's at, been assigned to like Palau, Swaziland, which is now Iswatini, St. Yeah. Kitts and Nevis, and Solomon Islands. That's surprising because they're all those are all current or former allies, <laughs> diplomatic allies of Taiwan. Yeah, well, well St. Kitts and Nevis is still with yeah. us. Yes, yes. Palau so. as well. But. Uh, yeah, Palau as well. But um, yeah, so very, very interesting. But, hmm. you know, most of these guys, they have families, but... They're there by themselves, yeah. you know, without the family. and But yet, um, it's an excitement to them, too, to yeah. you know, learn new culture, adjusting and everything, even though they're experienced technicians, you know, overseas technicians. Yeah. So. I th- I th- doesn't RTI or somebody related to us do something similar? Because there are photos on the fourth floor, is we, it? We of do, we do. But people setting up radio. They were in was Chad it? at one point. Oh, Chad? Okay, That's yeah, what the photos like all of. All Africa, right? All up in the hallway upstairs. Yeah, and even like... I've um, often wondered who those people were because I've never <laughs> seen them. Maybe right. they work for the, our technical department. Even, um, gosh, I can't think of the... Trinidad and Tobago? Was it? I think so. Yeah, well, that, that's okay. like years ago. Well, right? we can do that. And then a uh, footstool technician. We've got people who know how to do that. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of ways. I mean, that slogan, Taiwan can help, uh, pretty apt. Well, most uh, chatbots I've interacted in have been not terribly helpful, but uh, this is a program set up by uh, NCTU researchers to develop chatbots using big data to personalize help to students in particular. Yeah, that's right. right. So I think that's kind of this is kind of a growing thing, I think, um, of providing kind of counseling services Mm. and just services more generally via chatbots. And so National Jiaotong University, which is in Xinzhu in sort of northwest Taiwan, has developed three chatbots to provide personalized services to students through the Line messaging app. And Line is a very commonly used, probably the most commonly That's, used messaging yeah. app uh, in Taiwan, kind of as WhatsApp is elsewhere. Can, can, uh, I, can I barge in here? What, what are chatbots? They're like automated response bots. Like if you need, like, I don't know. I think they're powered by AI. So they're, they're a yeah. little bit more than just. Okay. I think they've, they've got better. I remember, right. you know, like, 
10, 15 years ago, kind of going on a website and just kind of trying to have a conversation They're, with it. And it, just, it wouldn't really work. No. But but now I think they're kind of, they're getting much, much, much better. They with can kind, kind of, of help you with whatever problem you have or wh- yeah. whoever you're trying to reach. I mean, so I think kind like of, a hotline. Well, I mean, there's, there's a, there's a, there's a mm. chatbot at the moment. I guess it counts as a chatbot. The one, the, um, the central, the kind of the coronavirus one. I think there's okay. a line chatbot for that. Um, so, you know, you can just kind of click on some buttons and tell it what you want and it will try and figure it out and, and guide you to the right place. Um, so these uh, three chatbots that they've come up with um, include psychological counseling and just sort of general counsel, uh, campus information. Mm. Yeah, especially for, for new students, that can be uh, difficult. Yeah, and I think, oh. I think it's oh. good. I think a lot of people are embarrassed about kind of seeking <laughs> that kind of help as well. I mean, not just the campus information help, but like the psychological, psychological. counseling. So I think like, you know, it having that kind of digital interface, I think it's probably like for the new generation of students is probably more kind of familiar mm-hmm. to them than actually going and speaking to a person. Yeah. I mean, uh, the campus information too, it took me about two months to figure out where the diner was. <laughs> what? I kept, I would always get lost. Uh, it was just like, I could not find it. Oh. Yeah. You need someone there. You know, you don't want to be, you don't want to be there two months in. You know, because then you pass a point where you think it's acceptable to ask, right? You know, yeah. you're no, like, well, like, I, I should um, know by now. <laughs> so, oh, but it was the left. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, you kind of have to <laughs> pretend. Um, but yeah, so these by chatting, it says by chatting with the bot, students can get personalized information and services without needing to ask someone or worrying about whether the questions are too trivial. Um, they use chatbot software provided by Line to create the three bots for psychological counseling, campus information, and course information. Um, and yeah, so I think it, it kind of integrates this kind of AI system. So hopefully it can kind of help people. Um, mm. With course information in particular, it might be actually more helpful than talking to a person in some cases. In ca- really? Yeah, in some cases, <laughs> it's very yeah. confusing. Although, oh. I, I mean, I hope it's not one of those things where you, you kind of ask it to give you course information. It's like, oh, well, have you checked the website? Like, and Yeah, no, yeah. we did. Yeah, I've done that already. And then, yeah, hopefully, I, I imagine it goes far, further than that because um, it's a very good university mm. with very clever engineers on board so, so surely you've never interacted with a chatbot no this is beyond my well, i think facebook <laughs> kind of has them yeah facebook has a few i think uh i'm not uh-huh. really sure what they do but which i don't use I very often all these sort of automated responses from different uh paid facebook pages sort of count as well yeah you're well, right it's been decades since i've graduated from college and so yeah, but i, I mean, never really experienced that it's not but just even it's not just about college life just, just in this one general, there's yeah. cha- all oh, kinds oh. of chatbots yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. No, i've never come across I'm, but again, I think I think they if this is chatbots are one of these things that I think that people are kind of predicting will become more and more of a you know a service. But I think they still haven't kind of really taken off. They can be kind of yeah easily confused by you have to be extremely careful Very with your specific, words. Very specific, yeah, I think. <clears throat> but I don't know. Uh, that's good. I think psychological counseling in particular can be difficult to get a hold of if you and so uh, having someone to tell you. I mean, is it like there are a robot therapist or yeah, they just tell I'm you where to get ask. help? Sure. I think, I mean, I, I Robotic guess... Robotic voices? I, well, let's see. I, I think it... I imagine it It says, I think it, it can give simple counseling, I think was the simple. idea. Tell uh, me about your childhood. Yeah. I don't know. Actually, I actually read about a bot, an AI they developed. This is back when this really wasn't an advanced technology mm. that basically just took whatever you said and threw back questions. And that was how the counseling worked. Oh, okay. So it just took, your, it took whatever you just like gave it in that sentence and be like, why do you think X? <laughs> and, then, and then you're like, wow, that is such a deep question. How deep? Yeah. yeah. Oh, you know what? Jen Dolari just said that she might be a chatbot herself. 
(laughs) (laughs) Good. We know who to go to. (laughs) We have any questions. All right. Well, that just about does it for today's edition of Here in Taiwan. Thank you so much to everyone who joined us online and on the airwaves. I'm John Van Trieste. I'm Stash Butler. And I'm Shirley Lin. Please don't go anywhere just yet because there's more of Shirley coming up next on Jukebox Republic. Welcome to Jukebox Republic. I'm Shirley Lin. Um, the music doesn't seem appropriate with what I'm going to talk today, but this song is called Lu Bian Tan, which means street, well, street, street stalls, street stands. Yes. And that is what I'm going to talk about. My husband, Big John, and I have uh, recently discovered this great cheap place for food. It all started from him, my Husband Big John watched this video, a YouTube introducing this place by a brother of the famous owner Andre Jiang of a Michelin star restaurant in Singapore. So he's a Taiwanese. I mean Andre, he's a Taiwanese chef and owner of five restaurants, and he is the former head chef of Michelin two star eponymous restaurant Andre, and it was named the best restaurant in Singapore. In 2017, and the second best uh, in Asia by Restaurant Magazine. Anyway, so his brother actually is someone uh, a celebrity, celebrity too. He's an actor in Taiwan for usually for like these um, soap operas. Anyway, so he was introducing these street food stalls in front of a temple in Taipei, and Big John has taken me there three times already. He loves it so much. I'm saying like, how is he going to lose weight, my Big John? Anyway. I'll tell you what's great about the food after the song.
Okay, you're listening to Jukebox Republic. I'm Shirley Lin at Radio Taiwan International. So I was talking about, or I'm talking about uh, food stalls, street food, okay, street stands. And that song was uh, by Sang Bai Gu Juji, who's actually from Hong Kong. And you know that he was trying to say Taiwanese um, because Lu Bian Tan stands for, um, what was it now, street stands. But in Taiwanese, it's Lo Bi Da. Yeah. So anyway, um, why am I talking about this? Well, um, my husband, Big John, was watching this YouTube um, introducing street food. And it was uh, the host was the brother of Andre Jiang, who's like a Michelin star chef. And he owns a restaurant here in Taiwan, right? Now called Raw, R-A-W, Raw. And it's very, very hard to get a reservation. So um, we're thinking about it. But um, anyway, um, but then in contrast, I'm talking about street food today. So this place with these awesome street food um, is actually right outside a temple in Taipei. And I was just trying to look up the name of the temple and found that some foreigner had already beat me to it by introducing in detail all the foods that you can get there. So the temple is the Chi uh, Shen Temple, Chi Shen Gong, right by Da Dao Chen, which is like a trading port that goes back to the old days. And uh, it's a great place to walk around, look around, because they've tried to remain uh, to keep the, uh, the way it looked with all the shops. But they've um, turned, uh, you know, new facade, and they're beautiful little shops. They um of crafts, of art, of maybe food or whatever. Um, I'm gonna find time to look at those shops. Yeah, maybe that would be an uh, an episode for this program here. Okay, so anyway, the food stalls are like they're only in business from like morning till 1 p.m. So we always try to get there before they close up. So we always went there for lunch, like after my Zumba class, right? And uh, anyway, I don't know how many stands there are, maybe 10, maybe more. And they are in a neat row uh, right in front of the temple, the entrance of the temple, and around to the right side, I think. The one that Big John is most attracted to is the Ye family meat kanji, okay? And where the rice is not cooked as... Uh, the way it is with Cantonese kanji, not so that it's almost like a thick, um, I don't know what do you call it, a thick, yeah, so, uh, and it's not gooey, 
but it actually um, it's cooked in such a way that you can steal the individual rice. Okay, and um, and so on the first time there, Big John ordered two bowls of the congee, and and then we also had a side dish of deep fried pig's liver from the same stall, and they were good, uh, along with like deep fried pork. Yeah. Um, marinated in like red yeast. Anyway, they were good. We also ordered half a squid from the stand next door. Um, the squid is blanched and then cut up and then eaten with, um, you know, you dip it in wasabi sauce and, uh, you know, wasabi and soy sauce. And that was good. Um, basically, half a squid is 200 NT. That's like seven US dollars. A whole one would have been 14, you know, double the price. They all seem, you know, I mean, the, the, the stall owners, they all seem to know each other. So it was all right. They would order food from one stand and then eat it at a table uh, belonging to another stand. So it's just, yeah, really fun eating there. Anyway, um, another song also called Lu Bian Tan, um, Street Stalls. But this song is by Zhang Zhenxiong and Xue Pei Jie. <laughs>
Okay, so on the first time there, we sat right along the counter, cut into the sides of the stands themselves. You know, they're kind of jutting out. So they have stools. No, actually, yeah, long stools. On the second time, we realized that they have tables and chairs set up behind them, the stands, on the courtyard of the temple. You know, the front courtyard of the temple. But the tables they each have names, uh, uh, you know, of the stands themselves. So. If you choose to eat, let's say at Ye Family's meat conjure, you better make sure that you're sitting at one of their tables, you know. And um, they're just a simple tin kind of tables, you know, squarish tables with um, stools. So very simple. On the second time there, we sat at one of these tables, and it was kind of drizzling, you know. And it's an open courtyard, so if it weren't for this, you know, the, these uh, big banyan trees with their branches branching out over the courtyard, we were, we would have been drenched in rain while eating. And yeah, and then the rain would mix in with the food, right? That would have been all right as long as it wasn't pouring. So it wasn't pouring. But then I had my down jacket with me with a hood, so I had my hood up while I was eating, and it was just very casual, you know. You just kind of eat it, and there a little bit of rain kind of getting into food, but it's okay. And and everyone's very casual about it. You know, you see that these vendors they work rough and they talk rough, and you help yourself to everything. You know, they don't serve you, they don't give you a smile. You know, and and they kind of like shout out to you, like sit over here or don't sit over there or whatever. You know, and um, but I mean, think about it. Those people who were serving Big John and I now are probably the third generation of family running a food stand. You know, and they have a tough life, but they serve up one of the one of a kind. Of these authentic Taiwanese food, and it's just just great, and cheap and yummy. So those other people that we saw there, you know, it seemed like they were regular customers. They were mostly like middle-aged husbands and wives, and even grandpas and grandmas. And then there were some, some, a few younger couples. And I'm thinking, they were probably introduced to that food from their parents, you know, to this cheap. But nostalgic kind of dining, yeah. If I can even call it dining, there. Um, the next song is also talking about um, street food, but it's called Taiwan's Small Eats, and this song is by Liu Fuzhu. So be ready for a really old classic Taiwanese song. Huan 咱食的点心无论要食倒一项食了嘴齿会震动嘴齿酷酷烂目睭还会看人中轻北路台北的环境爱食什么随在你景钱若买穿花苞米旧烧麦饮四千穿结短穿连穿皮长参冷景糖要吃清结结水在你景钱有煮煎水里所行里所行进来进来想要吃好钱买成钱买
顺山大桥头，看世界路顶，爱食什么，随在你拣。钱若要用，红心灯花赶紧抓来穿，要食海鲜，到康平去添规定。祝因保身，赶紧放假，天光土灵，红烧客满真好用，真好用。进来，进来。想要吃好钱，卖省钱，卖省。祖师庙梁山寺，台北市也市，山珍海味满满是。若要省钱，肉粿咸话有起加光钱。若要吃甜，白果冰糖煮乌呢。若要好味，好少嫌香炒花枝，好吃有苦红烧皮，红烧皮。进来，进来，若要粗把鲜鱼米，鲜鱼米，台北水是真，中部的港是搁较稀罕，请予我歇一日喘，下回才搁来开讲。Honestly, I've never had that kind of kanji. You know, just a very different kind of kanji. It was good. And then deep fried pig's liver. I've never had it deep fried. I mean, maybe stir fried or you know grilled or not grilled.、Um, I, I don't know, sautéed. Yeah, sautéed、um, pig's liver, but never deep fried. And it was good. The second time we went there, my husband simply ordered all the deep fried items on their menu, which also includes deep fried pork. Marinated in red yeast, like I told you before, then deep fried squid, and and then deep fried fish, fish fillet. On our third time there, we had this really delicious, very warming kind of pork rib soup with cubes of turnip and pork ribs in this clear broth. I'm not a soup person myself, but I finished that soup that day. On a cold day like that, that's what you want, you know. And then we saw someone ordering chicken rolls. I was telling Big John, "Go get some." So then we ordered a dish of it. Now it's funny. There's no chicken in this thing, but it's called chicken rolls. So it usually it's filled with like lean pork cubes and onion cubes, and then wrapped up in this really thin skin, and then rolled into a long sausage, and then deep fried. So they come out crispy. You cut it up, and then it's crispy, and you eat it dipping in this sweet chili sauce. And I just learned that this is called chicken rolls because after they're deep fried, they look like chicken's neck. Okay, so yeah, that's how they got the name. Anyway, there seems to be a lot more food to try over there since the author of the post, you know, about the food. This foreign author, uh, you know, of the post about the food there at Chishen. Gong, it's so hard to say that name. He has a long list of a lot more stuff that seems great and delicious, and、um, I guess you know, Big John and I can't wait to try. I bet when I go home tonight and tell John about it, he can't wait to go again, and I probably will report again about the food、uh, at this Chishen Temple. Another episode down the road. Okay, thank you so much for joining me on. Jukebox Republic. I'm Shirley Lin. This last song, "Xiao Chi Bu," well, "Small Eats" by Zhang Rongrong. 
声唱，啊梦梦到深更，站在小车铺，阮坐番来趁钱，饮酒花滚，念歌过日子，为着生活啊，惨惨了落去。人笑云转的天天醉，老来对笑，情歌动心意，人是欢喜，阮爱的在倒位？阿小车步，装卡的趣味，酒啉过酒杯，日头心开。Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw. Our 60-minute English program can be heard every day at the following times and frequencies: in Southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6185 kilohertz; in South Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kilohertz. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to PO Box 123-199 Taipei, Taiwan. You can also email us at rti@rti.org.tw. At